Hi, I'm Lori. And I'm Kevin, and this is No Longer Ashamed. We are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. And we're here to share with you that if you're a survivor, you don't have to be alone. Our logo is a salamander, and the reason is a fire salamander can survive a fire, and you have survived a fire. We want to help you with your journey to healing and hope. We are all survivors together, and we walk this journey together. And you are not alone. By telling our stories, we are hoping that you will have the courage to share in your stories as well and find your voice. Because stories are so important, and for so long, I know that I wouldn't tell my story. But when I finally shared my story, that's when I got my freedom. And this is our journey and your journey to healing and hope. So come with us. Our guest tonight is Yvonne, and she has written a book called Transformed, and she is also a pastor, and she does deliverance ministry. We're so glad to have you. The reason I asked Yvonne to be on this show is I heard her preach one day, and she told her story. I've actually heard her preach a lot, and I do remember some of her stuff, but this story stuck with me because it was so powerful. Let's just jump into your story. I got saved in 1992. I had grown up living pretty sheltered. Well, so you think as a, as a child in Las Vegas of all places, didn't know anything about God, didn't have any understanding of him. He wasn't spoken of in the household. So faith was far far away. But yeah, when I hit 30 years old, the Lord walked into the room and he made himself known to me. I remember telling my father, he had made a comment about hallucinogenic drugs <laughs> and what they would do. <laughs> it was at that point that I decided that I, I would never tell anybody else the story and have, how Jesus walked in. And, and three and a half years later, you know, unfortunately, it kind of left my life in a place where addiction would continue its hold. For three and a half years, I, I continued to live the same way that I did before he walked in. But I'm so grateful for the mercy and the grace of God because he loved me enough to step into my room yet again, mm. uh, three and a half years later. When you said God walked in, what did that look like for you? It looked like a man who was standing. He was wearing some kind of robe. It almost looked like gunny sack. Because you didn't and really have a preconceived idea because you didn't know. No, I had no idea because I had never heard about Jesus. I didn't know. It just just looked like this man who, and he never spoke a word the first time. He just pointed out a window. I knew that he wanted me to get up and go look. And so I did look back on it now. And I always wonder how incredible that it was that nothing inside of me was afraid of him. Mm. And yet in the middle of the night, here's this strange man standing at the side of my bed mm -hmm pointing out the window. And when I did get up and go look, the only thing I saw was a single bright, brilliant star. And it seemed to light up the whole sky by itself. And the only thing that it made me think of was, what does this mean? I went to ask him the question, but standing at the window, he would, would have been behind me. I asked the question, what does this mean? But when I turned around, there was nobody there. Well, what was the events leading up to this? Unfortunately, my life was in this vicious cycle of addiction. 
not knowing anything about him, it's not like I was calling out to God or I, I honestly didn't even feel like I was in trouble in the midst of the life that I was living. I didn't feel like I was in trouble. And that wasn't until the second time that he walked into my room and made himself known again. But this time he let me know that there was a choice I would have to make. Mm. And he asked me, what are you going to do? And I remember thinking to myself, because I had tried to get out of this life of addiction before, couldn't seem to do it on my own. I would go for a time and then I would find myself back in it and simply just make up for the time that I went without. It was a vicious, ugly cycle. I really contemplated what he was asking me. I knew what he was asking me without him actually saying the words in my spirit. I knew he was asking me, will you choose to continue the life you're living or will you choose to live a life with me? And I was afraid to say, yes, I will live a life with you and for you. Because my thought process was, I had tried to get rid of this addiction before and I always failed. And I don't wanna say yes to you and not be able to do it. So it was a big deal. It wasn't something that I just said yes to. I thought about it and I dozed back off to sleep the second time. And I remember as I was dozing off, he spoke to me and he said, do not forget what has happened this night. And I woke up the next morning and I didn't remember anything. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't remember a thing. Just the same old routine after partying or whatever, time to clean up the mess that had been made. I started the process and I remember taking a load of laundry to the washing machine. So I'm walking down the hallway to the washer. Suddenly there was a voice in front of me, but it was coming at me as if somebody were standing there, but I couldn't see them. And the voice said, don't forget last night. Oh. And I responded to his voice. And I said, why? What happened last night? And instantly it was like a movie screen went up and I saw myself laying in bed. I saw him wake me up again. I saw him ask me the question and I dropped to my knees. And I remember saying, God, is this you? I mean, is this really you? And even now looking back, it amazes me because it's not like I heard my parents ever say God or make any reference to him at all. So how that would even come out of me, except to say that we are created by him. Our spirit knows. Mm -hmm. I composed myself. And mm -hmm. at the time when I dropped to the floor on my knees, the, the laundry went everywhere. So I had to pick it all up. And I did that and I threw it in the washer and got the clothes out of the dryer and I headed for the living room. And my routine back then was I would have the music blasting on the TV. And as I walked around the corner to head into the living room, there was a song that was playing. And to this day, I don't know the song. I don't know the artist. I only remember the words that came out of the TV. And it was almost as if I had tunnel vision for a moment. And it zoomed in and locked in on the TV. And the words came out that said, my child has asked if their father is there. And he is. Clothes went flying everywhere. I dropped on my knees again, um, just crying. And it was really then that I thought, okay, can I give my life over to the Lord? And can I truly live for him? But I also had a past that was yeah. haunting me, which I really wouldn't have recognized even then because I spent a lot of time burying it yeah. and making sure that it never came to the surface. But I remember thinking, 
and talking to the Lord. And I said, if I could just speak to my sister, I know everything would be okay. Hmm. And about that time, the phone rang. I got up off the floor and I went to answer the phone, but I picked up the phone and I said, hello, hold on just a minute. Somebody's knocking on my front door. I didn't even wait to see who was on the phone. I just laid the phone down and I walked to the front door, opened it up, and my sister was standing there. And I grabbed her by the (laughs) collar and I pulled her in and I began to tell her, sat her down on the sofa and I said, God has been speaking to me all morning. And she had this look of concern in her eyes, like, oh my gosh, what did you take? What are you on? And I remember thinking, I'm not wasted. I didn't do any drugs. It's God Almighty Mm -hmm. has been speaking to me all morning. The minute that came out of my mouth, I stood up off the sofa. I raised both hands in my living room. Now, mind you, not having any kind of, not even seeing church on TV, I raised both hands and I said, that's it. I'm done with this life. I'm going to give my life over to God. From that moment forward, my spiritual eyes were opened and I saw things for the next four months that absolutely terrorized me because I could see this spiritual realm that was all around us. And unfortunately, I saw what had unknowingly been invited into my own life. I felt like I was walking through a living nightmare. It was scary. Even then, there was thoughts about my past that kept creeping up, being young and being sexually abused and really not even knowing what to do with that information and just trying to hide it and always pretend like it was never there. And that was the one thing that kept showing up in front of me. You didn't actually remember that abuse that happened to you until these thoughts came back? I did remember, but I had buried it so, so far in the back of myself that it wasn't a thought that came to the forefront in everyday life. I never thought about it. I had spent Mm -hmm. so much time when I was little burying it. So it was buried deep. When I gave my life to the Lord that day, he began to bring it up in front of me, though I didn't recognize him (laughs) in the midst of it because, and I think too, just the spiritual things that were going on that I immediately thought that it was the devil, that it was the enemy. I would get a flashback and I'd be like, no. Rebuke Satan. I would rebuke the devil. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and, and I refused to go back there. It was challenging to try to even get myself to admit what had happened. Because like I had shared before, when all of this, even as a child, when all of this kind of came to a head, I remember my abuser coming and telling my father my dad coming and asking me if it was true. And I looked my dad in the face and I lied to him. And I said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. So your abuser actually confessed to your father about what he did? Yes, they were confessing to my father and they were wanting help. So they ended up going in for treatment and getting the help that they needed. But me, I I mean, inside, there was damage that one, I was afraid to just look back at it and go, yes, this did in fact happen. So I had spent so much time saying no, that when my dad asked me about it, I just looked at him and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I think I was, I don't know, I think maybe at that time I was about 13. 
I just thought, no, I didn't get saved until I was 30. So we're now talking 17 years later. Yeah. And suddenly these memories are coming up and I'm, I would rebuke the devil and cast it out and cast the memories <laughs> down again. And But it wasn't until about the sixth or the seventh time that I suddenly realized, mm, this isn't the enemy, that mm -hmm. this is God. And he was asking me to go back with him and revisit those moments. It wasn't until after going through the process with the Lord that I realized why he began to ask me to go back because there were parts of me that were left behind there. It was about being able to go back. And even as a little girl, six, seven, eight, nine years old, when I went back, I discovered the anger that I had at that young age the anger, but yet the inability to speak. It was a tough process. I remember being absolutely petrified. And I was like, God, I really, I just don't want to go back. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to remember. I just don't want to. But then there was a moment where I said, okay, if you promise me that you will go with me and hold my hand, God, please don't let me go. Then I'll go back there as long as you promise that you're with me. I had actually taken everything out of my closet. I kind of threw it out into the middle of the room, <laughs> stepped into my closet and shut the door. And it was then that God began to walk me back through it. And I remember being so angry, yeah. being incredibly angry, the tears and the sobbing and the screaming that went along with that. And the screaming wasn't even, it wasn't even like it was yelling at my abuser or anything like that. It was, it was really screaming about the whys and how can this possibly happen to a six-year-old? How does this happen? And being so angry and wanting answers. I have no idea how long I was locked up in my closet <laughs> <laughs> or how long that screaming session lasted. But all of a sudden, all of the anger was gone. Mm. All of the tears were gone. All of the shame was mm -hmm. gone. And it's amazing how you can be six years old and have something like this happen and you grow up and you become an adult. And somehow guilt tends to mm -hmm. get a hook in you and you feel guilty for what someone else did to you. Yeah. It's incredible to think that that's even possible. When I walked out of there, I was not the same person that walked in. As terrified as I was in that moment going in, I'm so grateful that the Lord was persistent mm -hmm. to take me in there because I honestly don't believe that I would be walking today in the wholeness that I have had I not allowed him to take me back. It was with him taking me back that I found my voice yeah. because as a little kid, that voice got shut down. You don't tell anybody, you don't speak about it. I found my voice and I was a different person when I walked out wow. and I'm so grateful for it. Then I walked out of there and I thought, oh, my poor neighbors, what must I <laughs> <laughs> That's why your story resonated so much with me, because when I was going through my hellish time, which was same thing, it's all, it seems like it's always around 30. I remember hearing people say, oh, God just healed me. They didn't do the work. And then I remember a friend of mine, she went and told her mom about the neighbor guy. 
And she just, her mom just like, Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. That wasn't part of my story. (laughs) I was not believed ever. It was really hard. And I think that when you told your story, it just, it validated. It's so important to do the work. It's so important to find that voice again. When we are five, six years old, we don't even know how to begin to say what's happening. We don't have the language for it. Well, and sometimes I think it's hard for us to go back because we either resent or we're afraid of that little child that was hurt. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to go there because mm-hmm. it's just a scary place. I know for me being afraid, the scary part was part of it was having to go back and face my own lie. I had told myself for years, no, it wasn't real. No, it's, it's okay. I'm okay. After a while, before you begin the process, you don't realize just how damaging that really is so that you think you can carry your way through it to say, no, I'm okay. It's okay. For me, it was not. I couldn't talk about it. I would never admit it until that day that the Lord took me into the closet. And what changed for you on that day? Oh my goodness. Everything changed that day. I changed on the inside, which is only a supernatural work that he could do, Mm -hmm. but something on the inside of me changed. I suddenly realized I'm not responsible. I'm not guilty. I'm not the one who should be ashamed Mm -hmm. of having done something. All of that kind of came together in the exact moment when suddenly I was done screaming and I was done crying. And I knew that somehow God had supernaturally put me back together. And now I can look at it and I can look back and go, yeah, that, I mean, that was part of my life growing Mm -hmm. up, but the pain's not in it anymore. And there's no shame and there's no guilt or embarrassment or anything like that. And now I'm so grateful, not only that God took me in there that day and healed my own heart but that God would take me back in there and heal my heart in order to help others through the process to see their hearts healed. So it was immediately, immediately after that, that it seemed like young women coming out of the woodwork talking about being abused as children and not knowing how to forgive, not knowing how to get better, not knowing Mm -hmm. how to overcome. And I was grateful that I was able to walk with them and help and kind of take them through the same process that the Lord took me through. And I think part of that is giving the permission to say what you did was wrong. Because I think a lot of times we hold on to that and we don't, because we didn't have a voice then, we don't feel like we have the voice at the time to be able to say that too. Even when we're old enough to understand, it's kind of like that part of our voice gets lost, but it's okay to say it was wrong. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting how just what our voice in our head tells us. And I love that women came to you and you validated them because yeah. that's the most important thing. We talk about this a lot. If you know somebody that opens up to you, if you don't know what to do, just say, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't yes. your fault. Mm-hmm. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn right. this. It wasn't right. your fault. You don't yeah. deserve the shame that you're feeling because Mm -hmm. so many people have so much shame Mm -hmm. 
but they don't realize the shame belongs to the person, the perpetrator, not to them. And you have a gift. I mean, you do deliverance. And I hear your story. First of all, when you said God came to you, I pray that every day for my son who's in the midst Mm. of addiction right now. I pray that God would just show up. And I've never had that experience. We all have our different experience. But I remember my mom saying that one time she, that Jesus came to her in the night. And Mm -hmm. so I have prayed that for my son, but the fact that you tried to ignore it, you tried to rebuke Satan. And then you said, I got to face this, Mm -hmm. right? I got to go to the closet. And I love that so much because it's hard work. It's really Mm -hmm. hard work, but the freedom that comes from being willing to face it is so glorious. I think in looking back at that and the process, you know, sometimes we think that the process has to take us years to overcome, but the process for me was what, however long I was in the closet, (laughs) but it was there. If I could describe it, getting all the anger out Mm. is so important. Yeah. But once the anger was out and then once the grieving was done, It was like God wrapped his arms around me and he let me know everything is okay now. And once again, which is the way that God works with us to always let us know that he loves us and that God knows and he knows where we are in the process. And I hope that that gives somebody hope just in thinking that the process does not have to last you for years. It can be a process of an hour of just being real with God, letting God know that you're angry, letting him know that you didn't deserve it, letting him know. And and he knows that, but he is a God who wants to be relational in the good and in the bad. Mm -hmm. And so if we can relate to him and we can hand him the bad stuff and have a conversation with him, because one of the things that I kept asking him, I was like, God, why? I mean, I was screaming, God, why? What in the world could have possibly communicated a message that this was okay? And you know, God never gave me an answer. He never answered a single thing that I had asked him. The only thing that he did was give me permission to be angry and call wrong, wrong. And that was enough to heal my heart and go, okay, now it's done. And I was different when I walked out of there. And I knew that I was different because I was instantly able to speak about it and not feel ashamed or guilty. You weren't defined by it. Not, I knew I was free because all of the things that I had felt before, the the shame and the grief and the sorrow and the anger and the hatred, Mm -hmm. suddenly all of that was gone. I don't know how to say this in a way that would not be offensive to anybody else who walked through the process or that's having to walk through the process. But when I walked out of the closet, I knew that everything was done. All of the hatred, I was no longer the person who walked into that closet. I was different now. And my heart was healed miraculously, just by being given permission to be angry about it. And sometimes I wonder if that's because you didn't have the Christian background. So you didn't know where I think sometimes people with a Christian background are like, oh, I got to be the good girl. I can't say anything. We all have a different healing process. Mm-hmm. And we see that in addiction, don't we? We see some people that never go to AA. Some people, they get clean and sober 
they go to church and they're healed. Other people work the program. It's like, we can't expect our healing to look like somebody else's. And that's why we do this show is we want people to see that there's so many different ways. What I love about your story is you had to get all of that out. You couldn't just keep stuffing it in Mm -mm. and that it transformed you. That it did. It did. I discovered that stuffing it was actually what was making me sick. If I could say it that way, it wasn't healthy for me, even in having somewhat of success in stuffing it down and forgetting about it. Very intentional in not looking back. But I was also raised by my father, who was such a strong man. And as his daughter, he taught me to be strong. That also kicked in too, as a child. You may not understand it, but those things that my dad taught me about being strong and being independent and being an asset and all of these things that he taught me about life, that at the same time, that's what kicked in was, no, be strong. But that was also the very tool that helped me bury it. That's how you coped by just uh-huh. bearing it and uh-huh. toughing out, toughing it out. And that's yeah. really common, especially we have to kind of tough it out because we don't know how to express what's happening to us. Even as a little girl, I don't remember being angry. You just don't know what to say. You don't know what yeah. to do when you're yeah. that age. You're just too little. It wasn't even as an adult. I didn't have any feelings of anger. It was not until I walked into the closet because again, I think being taught to be strong helped to bury those things until the Lord took me into the closet and suddenly let me know you don't have to be strong here and it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to be angry. And I think that was the greatest thing that I got from him. It was okay to be angry. It was okay to hate what had happened. Once I was able to communicate that with my own mouth, the process was done. I know for me, it's a way of saying you were worth being angry about. You Mm -hmm. did matter. And it Mm -hmm. did matter that this happened to you. You were worth being angry about this. Mm -hmm. That this, Mm -hmm. I know for me, I felt doomed most of my life and that I didn't matter because I just didn't matter. So it took a while for me to actually get to that point of feeling like I did matter. Yeah. So after you came out of the closet, so to speak, (laughs) in a whole different way, where did that lead you? Oh, my goodness. Everything changed from that moment. I began to dive into reading the Bible. I didn't go to church then. Actually, I don't even think I was like really saved then. Mm -hmm. Jesus appeared to me, but I, I was discovering who this man was. But I started reading a Bible. Even that in itself was miraculous because I remember sitting on the edge of my bed and thinking, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden there's a Bible on the nightstand that I'm going, where did that come from? Now, I don't know how it got there. I recognize the Bible, but I don't know where it had come from or how it got there, but it was there. And I began to read it and Holy Spirit really began to be my teacher. And he began to teach me what he was saying in the word. And now because I didn't have a church background, I didn't grow up hearing about God. Church wasn't played in the household or anything like that. So I knew nothing. So when Holy Spirit began to teach me, 
I really began to understand what he was telling me. I had four months of just an intimate walk with him at home alone in the Bible and him telling me what it meant. After four months, he said, now it is time for you to go to church. I remember thinking, okay, well, Lord, I don't even know where there is a church and I wouldn't even know how to begin to look for one. And I just so happened to stand up and look out the window as the mailman was going by. And so I went outside and I grabbed the mail. I opened up the mailbox and the only thing in there was a postcard and it was an invitation to a church that was just a couple (laughs) blocks away from my house. And so I decided I was going to go and I went. It was shortly after that. I think I was there for maybe four weeks. And suddenly they started talking about a Celebrate Recovery group. Mm. And I just thought, okay, I'll go and be part of that. And I don't even know how it happened. A couple of weeks later, the pastor at this church is paying for me to go down to some big conference on recovery leadership. And I go down there and the next thing I know, I'm back in the church and and heading up this ministry. Things really just begin to take off. I'm very grateful. I'll say it that way. Very, Mm -hmm. very grateful that he saved me the way he did. But I remember the first day that I walked into that church, it it was an Easter Sunday. I remember being terrified when I went because of things that I was still seeing in the spirit. And that scared me. The enemy wants to try and get you to run from the church and never go back, which is what I felt like while I was sitting there. But I made it through. I went home and my TV was on and it was on a Christian station. Actually, Benny Hinn was on. He was doing (laughs) some huge Easter celebration. And as I walked in, he said, you believe unto righteousness. So when you believe that Jesus is Lord, you are made righteous by God, but you're not yet saved until confession is made. For it says you believe unto righteousness and confession is made unto salvation. And he said, if you've never confessed that you need Jesus, that you want him to be your Lord and be your savior, you need to do that today. I thought, okay, I'm ready to do that. (laughs) He said, go grab some grape juice and a piece of bread and come back. And so I did. He led everybody in communion and I took communion and prayed. Now, those four months from the time of Jesus waking me up in the night, and now this is the second time he had appeared to me. Mm -hmm. From that night to this night of taking communion, I could hear him speaking to me, but the voice was outside and it felt like it was coming at me as if as if I were standing there Lori and talking to you and your voice would come at me. Benny Hinn led everybody in a prayer and I began to pray with him and I took the communion. The very next thing that the Lord spoke to me, it kind of surprised me because suddenly the voice that was once out here speaking at me, I was now hearing it from within me and it was mysterious. I didn't understand it. And I just thought, I can hear you in me, (laughs) which was thrilling, but you kind of grow up in faith to understand how God does things with us. That was the moment that I could say that I gave my heart to the Lord. The Lord Jesus came and took up residence on the inside of me. That was after a very intense four months of being in the closet, going through the past, reading the Bible, being taught by Holy Spirit, and then giving my life to the Lord. So now you're doing the 
deliverance ministry? Yeah, it was maybe about a year and a half after that, that I really began to seek God. And I thought, Lord, surely you did not do all of this for me, just for me to kind of take up space while I'm here. I begin to ask him the question, why did you create me? And what do you want me to do? I asked him that same question every single day for a year and a half. And then one day he took me into a vision and I remember standing up on a pillar of smoke. That's the only way that I can describe it. I only heard one word and the Lord said, preach, but it was like thunder. Hmm. I mean, it was thunderous. It made everything in me tremble Hmm. because his Hmm. voice was so great because his voice shook everything. It instantly brought me back to me. (laughs) So I wasn't in this vision or trend. I I don't even know. Honestly, I don't know what it was, but suddenly I'm back in the room. And I remember thinking, God, I don't want to question what you have just spoken. But I also know that throughout the Bible, when you spoke to those that were yours, you would confirm what you would say. So father, I only ask that you would confirm what you have just spoken. And now I was at my mom's house. My whole family was down there. It was Christmas Eve when he answered me. I had put my whole family to bed and I was just getting ready to go to bed because I had church the next morning. And I got up for some reason after I said, God, I just asked that you would confirm it. And I walked back out into the living room as my brother was coming around the corner and he said, Hey, I got somebody here. I want you to meet. This gentleman walks around the corner and my brother introduces me to him and says, this is my new boss. And he introduces him by name. And then he looks at his boss and he puts his arm around my neck and he goes, this is my sister. She's the preacher in the house. And I remember just kind of putting an elbow in his side and going, yeah, you're so funny. I visited for a few minutes and then said, I really need to excuse myself because I have church early in the morning. And so I went back to bed. As soon as I walked back into the bedroom and shut the door, I went right into the same conversation I had with the Lord as I was walking out. And I said, God, I only ask that you would confirm it. And the Lord instantly (laughs) took me back like a big screen. And I saw my brother go, she's the preacher in the house. And I thought, okay, okay, God, I say yes. And and I will do this. I remember asking the Lord, I know now that this is that, in fact, what you want me to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to Mm -hmm. preach the gospel. I don't know what that means. I don't know what it looks like. So I pray that you would begin to bring people to me that will teach me what this means. And that they will teach me everything that they know about it. But then I begin to give God this qualifying list. They have to be sold out. They're not going to give up three months from now. They're in for the long haul. And seven days later, I met a gentleman and his wife who actually begin to mentor me and raise me up and teach me about ministry. And so in the position that they had given me in their ministry as executive secretary, I saw every aspect of ministry and what they were doing because they were doing overseas missions. They did television, they did radio, and I had my hands in all of it. I was in the position to see all of it and how it was done, how they made things work. I definitely feel and then felt incredibly blessed that God would move in such a way to 
begin to teach me what it was that he had put me here for. Although I do remember the first time that I spoke, I was absolutely terrified. I was literally sweating (laughs) (laughs) to think or look back and listen to the message was horrible. You can hear my voice shaking. And then God is faithful to continue doing what it is that he has purposed in our lives to do. And I'm grateful for that today. So I continue to preach the gospel. I travel internationally. Well, of course I didn't travel at all. This year. Actually I did in February. I got back the end of February of 2020, just before we went into lockdown, but I spent three weeks teaching and training spiritual warfare classes in the Philippines. I was grateful that I got to do that. I do miss it. When you came out of the closet, as far as with your family, what do you think changed? I didn't really feel like I had to confront anyone. One, because the person who had done that had already sought out help for themselves. And I didn't feel like I needed to revisit that. I don't even know how to describe it. When God healed my heart, it was completely healed, Mm -hmm. healed even to the point of forgiveness. I understand that the only way that this happens is because the perpetrator is broken Mm -hmm. and people are broken by things that they experience, which can only make me think, what must they have gone through in their own life that would lead them to this? And when God heals our hearts to the point that they're whole, that we can get all the anger and the stuff out, quite honestly, your heart can be healed to the point that you can freely offer forgiveness. And it absolutely is possible because God did it in me. So I know that it's possible. It doesn't mean that we have to have really close relationships and stuff like that with the people who have abused us. After my own heart was healed, I didn't feel the need to have to readdress it with my family or with the person who had done it. It just didn't matter anymore. I hope that when people come in and especially the the young girls, and I've counseled with young men who have had it happened as well, just being able to walk with them through the process. And I walk them through the same process that the Lord walked me through. And that is giving them the time to find out how they feel about it, to find their voice and to put their voice to their feelings and to give them permission to say what they've always wanted to say. I give them permission. If you're angry, be angry. Mm -hmm. If you want to scream, scream, but get it out of your heart because that's the only way your heart will heal. You have to get it out. You have to give yourself that permission to do it. What do you want people to know? I would really encourage finding somebody who would understand where you're at. And I would encourage you to talk about it Mm. because healing cannot come without putting your words to your feelings, to your emotions and to your experience. But I would also like to tell them that there's a healing process that happens when you can find your voice and begin to say what you always wanted to say about it, to call wrong, wrong, Mm. and to say it's messed up, to be angry because you're angry and allow that to come out of your heart so that you can be healed. Also to encourage them, it is possible to overcome. It's possible to overcome the anger and the shame and the embarrassment and any kind of guilt that anyone or, or the enemy would try and put on you, 
you can overcome that and you can be free from that. And there's an incredible life for you on the other side of that. Yeah. If somebody would like to get your book, where would they get it? Anybody can go on my website, ChristTheKingMinistries.org. And I believe it's right there on the front page that they can click right on there and order the book and it will be sent to them straight from the ministry. Yvonne, thank you so much for sharing your story because it's so encouraging for me and I'm sure for for Kevin and for our listeners. So that's it for today. We are going to have a prayer time if you want to stick with us. If not, we believe in you. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories. If you like this podcast, please rate and review because that's how other people can find us. And we really want to spread this message. Lord Jesus, Father, we worship you tonight, Lord God. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God. Father, for the plans that you have for your people, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you, God, even for the plan that you had in this moment. And I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that every person who has heard this, Lord Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, God, that you would bring a healing to their own heart, Father, a healing even to their own thoughts, God. Lord, that they would find the ability to give themselves permission, God, to begin the process when they feel stuck, Lord, or when they feel ashamed to even say what has happened. But Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I break off shame and guilt in the name of Jesus. And Father, I say that those things cannot hold your people back, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, Father, that you would dispatch your holy angels, Father, just to minister to them, Lord Jesus. Father, that you would minister to their hearts, Lord God, that you would reassure them, God, that you would always be with them as they go through the process, Father. And Lord, I thank you for this, God. Jesus, I pray, Father, that you would begin to give them a new mindset, a new picture of who they are. and who they are in you and who you have created them to be. And I pray, God, that we would all be able to grab hold of that and begin to walk in the freedom that you died to give to us, Lord. And Father, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Father, for Lori. I thank you, Father, for just the opportunity, Jesus, to share, Father, and to share with such incredible gratitude to you for the healing that you brought to my own heart, Father. And God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use this. And I pray, Lord God, that as as these words go out over the airways, I pray, Father, by the multitudes, I'm asking you for thousands upon thousands upon thousands whose hearts will be healed, who will be delivered and set free from the shame in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that you would heal them at the deepest part of who they are and who you've created them to be. Father, that they would rise up in strength, holding their head up high, knowing that you're their God. And Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for all your blessings and especially for just the opportunity to worship you and what you have done so many and especially for those that need you the most and pray that you would reach out to anyone who's listening and just bless them with your presence in their lives right now bless them with your promises bless them with your healing and the gift that you want to love them and be with them even when they're angry even when they're upset even when they're ashamed that you want to love them always and be with them always, even through their shame and their anger and their hurt. And Lord, I just pray that we would be a way to reach out, a light to those that are, are 
hiding in the dark right now that need the light to come through to them. And Lord, I just pray that your light would shine into their lives and that would reach them in their closets and in their dark places and bless them and help them to heal. Lord, I just pray for your healing in their lives and for the time that they get to spend with you, that they would look forward to that, that they would look forward to the time that you would come into their lives. Lord, I just thank you for Yvonne and her ministry and what she's doing through her healing from you and that she's using that to bless others that are needing your your presence in their lives. Mm-hmm. Father, I just pray that we would continue to reach reach out to you and to look up to you for your your guidance in helping others through this time. And I just thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. In your name. Lord, I just want to grab onto that word permission that we have permission to be angry, that you're so okay with it. And I just, I pray that that will be the word that sticks during the week, that we have permission to heal and that that's what you want for us, Lord. And I'm so grateful that you brought healing into my life. So grateful you brought it to Yvonne, to Kevin, and we know you will bring it to anybody who asks. Amen. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you. Such a blessing to meet you.